Welcome everybody to chapter four or module four of Love Out Loud and this here is the infamous Dan Fitz. Hello everybody. And today we're talking about death and when I was thinking about um, death and the chapter and the content that I've written about there was kind of no one else that came to mind who I thought would be more um, perfect to be interviewed. into the you know the, the deeper parts of the psyche to do with death, and in a sec I'll give you a chance to tell these guys a little bit about what you do with people. Um, but if you were to summarise it in a sentence, how would you explain what you try and bring to people's lives? I help people discover the strongest versions of themselves. Awesome. And do you think that death is a core component as a concept? In, in how you help people, the process that you go through with people? Well, when you said to me, when I think of death, I thought of you, and that kind of makes me laugh, but I do take that as a compliment. There's such a, a taboo kind of morbid vibe around the word death and dying. And yes, it is very final, but it's also a reality. It's a part of life. And once you understand that death it is coming for all of us you kind of appreciate life a little more you don't take it for granted and then you also do want to become the best version of yourself so you can experience this journey we call life to the best of your ability totally and i think i need to just premise this and explain the reason i thought of you when i thought of death um firstly because i really do feel like you are the master at killing people's limitations your approach with people and in the book i frame death as not just the physical death that is um, guaranteed, the only thing that we can really guarantee in life other than change, is the fact that one day this is gonna end, and through realizing that, you actually start to bring a deeper um, meaning to life. I also explored death as this figurative idea. So this idea that throughout our lives, we go through multiple deaths, and that that's actually something that's really liberating and something that should be celebrated instead of resisted. And um, I remember one of our first conversations when, so Dan was actually my personal trainer before we decided that we were um, you know, more keen to invest in a lifelong friendship. Or that, or I was just too intimidated to train with you either way. Um, you said to I me- I on people in time. <laughs> I would agree with that, yeah. I can definitely vouch for that. I remember you said to me at the beginning of one of our first training sessions, are you ready to die? Mm, I think I've worked on my, uh, my personal approach with people a little more since then, but yeah, I am very straightforward. <laughs> very, and that delivery, and I remember thinking, you know, that's actually... Um, my as, bedside manner, I should say. <laughs> as scared as I was, it gave me this different understanding of training, right? A, a physical training, that, and that's something that I've really applied more broadly to the rest of my life, that if I'm not prepared to go into something and actually give my everything to it, be that willing, um, to fully participate, you know, willing to die, so to speak, so that I can kind of be recreated through the experience. And I'm actually missing out on the potential transformation that can come with that. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. If you want to become the best version of yourself, what do you have to let go of? The weaker version of yourself. That some part of you has to die in a sense. Yeah, awesome. I love it. And I'm so um, excited to hear some of the stories of your own journey that sort of brought you to these realizations and your confrontation with death, both um, figurative, but also maybe your experiences in in death as um, 
the reality that we're going to experience one day through, I know there have been a couple of people that have been really close to you that you've lost, and I know that's really shaped um, your perspective on life. So they're, they're the kinds of things that I want to share with these guys today. Um, and the last thing I want to frame for the interview and how it relates to the book, my book, Love Out Loud, is each um, chapter title is followed by a question that's a really hard-hitting, thought-provoking question for the reader. And the one in chapter four for death is, what terrifies you about letting go of who you think you are? Mm, people are afraid of change because I like this saying, people would rather live in a familiar hell than an unfamiliar heaven. Right. And go into that. Why do you think that is? Why do you think as humans we're conditioned to oh, take your be job. like that? Take your job or your relationship or something, for example. Your job might be boring. You might not be getting paid that much. But you know you're getting your paycheck at the end of the day. You know you've got a job next week. Mm. You know where you're going to be in 10 years. And instead of following your passion, being who you want to be, starting your own business, people would rather stay in that just that little bit of unhappiness and that little bit of pleasure just to get that small reward. Same thing with a relationship. They'd rather stay in a relationship that you're kind of attracted to the person, you're kind of happy, but also you're kind of miserable as well, but you're comfortable, you're happy there. So instead of finding your soulmate, you stay in that comfortable position. Then also the same thing with uh, our physiques, our health, our body. And the crazy thing is, the, the obese, uh, the diabetes rate, they're through the roof, but that's become the normal. It's okay to be overweight, it's okay to be sick, it's okay to be unhealthy because everyone else is. No one wants to go to the gym every day, give up socializing, give up eating uh, their treats at the end of the day because that's uncomfortable. But what they don't realize is if you go through that bit of pain, if you go through that bit of uncomfortability, your life becomes so much better and like you said about my past I was forced to go through that experience I didn't really have a choice and I don't recommend or I don't suggest anyone live my lifestyle but what it did it, it shaped and made who I was and I try and teach those I try and teach people those lessons without having to experience the same levels of pain that I did mm, which you know that's so beautiful and something I get to um, later in the book so something to look forward to is that understanding that when you do actually embrace these realities of life and how pain shapes your growth you then actually become equipped to help others not make those same not mistakes but have to go through those same hardships to learn what you've learned and absolutely such a beautiful gift but I love what you're saying around um, familiarity because it's something that I refer to a lot in my work um, and it's a model of how I sort of see people operate is I think the brain can be compartmentalized into two things what is familiar to the brain and what's unfamiliar to the brain yeah. and what's unfamiliar when you actually look at our bi biology and our evolution and how we've evolved when you go back 20,000 years ago everything was potentially a threat to our survival that was unfamiliar hundreds of thousands of years of programming so when we get that uh, fear of talking to that pretty girl, or that fear of uh, starting your own business, that's not uh, something that's taught. Yeah, it, it's years and years of programming, like yeah. uh, hundreds of thousands, billions of years ago, we're fighting off saber-toothed tigers and shit mm -hmm. like that, and now that's kind of just transformed into 
I'm scared to talk to that pretty girl because that, that I might get embarrassed or I might get yeah, hurt. Yeah, the and, rejection. And, yeah, that fear's built into our brain. And it's just totally. about seeing it, labeling it, and then pushing through it. And it's like training your biceps. The more you train your arms, the stronger they become. The more you can train yourself to push through that, uh, that fear, that the uncomfortability, you become stronger that way. People say to me, oh, you're so disciplined, or I wish I had your willpower. But uh, before I experienced all these hardships, can, I'm going to try not to drop the F-bomb. Please do, yeah, these guys don't mind. I was the laziest motherfucker. <laughs> I was uh, scared of everything. I didn't want to do anything. My ambition was I wanted to be a, a security guard in a furniture store so I could sleep on the beds at night. That's the kind of person I was, but through hardships, through challenge, through pain, uh, I became the person I am now who, who motivates people and helps people. Yeah, incredible. And I know that we were talking um, just before around how, you know, whether or not that's an ingrained quality that some people have, that sort of courageousness, that ability to push past fear, or if it's actually something that you can train yourself. So I love hearing that and I really want you guys to hear that because I know I experience it a lot when people say to me well you're just lucky you were born yeah. as a hard worker or but what they don't see is the journey that we've actually been on to get to that point where we can look at fear and really make a conscious choice I'm not going to let this get the better of me and that was something that was conditioned I believe it can be taught and I believe it's a number of things it's environment consistency uh, who you hang around, which you can control. You can control who you hang around. Mm. And then also that, that last factor, it can be taught. But it's, it's also like many things. Some people are naturally gifted at sports. Some people are naturally gifted at uh, speaking. Some people are just tough motherfuckers. Some people aren't, and mm. that's the reality as well. Yeah, but at the same, you know, in knowing that, you know, there's a saying that I really live by, which is um, when, when talent doesn't work hard, work hard. Hard work beats talent. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the the consistency and the commitment to something. And I know that's something that you talk a lot about in your work is you've actually got to be committed to it. Yeah. You've got to be all in. Well, I've seen very hard people and very hard working people, very uh, strong-willed people, slowly get broken down over time. Whether they find the right partner or they find a cushy job or society or whatever, they it's the same. The same thing with the physique. If you don't keep training the mind, if you don't keep challenging yourself. Now I don't have guns and stuff uh, stuck in my face these days, but I need to find uh, ways to challenge myself to get myself uncomfortable, otherwise I kind of lose that edge, yeah, if that makes sense. totally. And I guess that the more that you live with that mindset, the more you can actually have more control over the types of challenges that you choose to grow. And it stops being that life's going to, and this is the thing, right? Like hard times are inevitable, challenges are inevitable. But if you live in avoidance of that pain, and the avoidance of that preparedness to actually let go of your limitations and to confront your figurative death during yeah. those challenges, then it's going to be life that actually comes along and hits you in the face because you're not consciously participating in your own evolution. One of my mentors said to me, if you don't seek out challenges that are gonna take you where you wanna go, that are gonna shape you, challenges that you wanna face, mm -hmm. life's gonna give you challenges that you don't want anyway. Yeah, that's like in, it. Instead of working your ass off to get that car you want because you're lazy and you're just staying in a job you don't like, your shitty car is going to blow up and you're not going to have the money to fix it. So mm. there's, there's always going to be challenges, but you get to choose which ones you mm. want. Yeah, that's it. And do you see, um, like through your clients' journeys as a personal trainer, do you see that sort of transformation in mindset over months of working with people, like people in the beginning? 
um, feeling, feeling like they're a victim of life, challenges have happened to them, they have excuses as to maybe why they're not physically... Everyone has their own different stories and I've met people who have been, because I've been working in prisons and schools and, and things now, even just people in gyms, I've heard some very, very uh, tough and, and traumatic stories and these people have still gone on to live amazing lives. but. Yeah, life gets the best of anyone. Sometimes life just kicks you and in fact one of my first clients, he's a trainer here now and when I first met him, he couldn't even look me in the eye. He was a young guy, wanted to lose a bit of weight, build a bit of muscle as, as most guys do and we lost the weight, built him a new physique, he got all this muscle, uh, taught him about confidence and how to speak to people, things like that and he went from this shy guy who couldn't even look me in the eye and now he's a, a trainer in this very gym motivating people. Mm. Yeah. So okay. yeah, you can absolutely change. And that's what I, I guess is such an important message for people to hear and what I was going to say from the, the beginning stages of working with someone on that journey, feeling like that you know stuff has happened to them that's beyond their control. After months of seeing that transformation, do you start to see people take more ownership of their life? and ownership over and responsibility for the types of ways that they're challenging themselves. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of uh, change, a big part of being strong is taking accountability. Even the terrible things that have happened to me in my past, I always had this big chip on my shoulder, like it's my parents' fault or it's this person's fault or what this person did to me. It, it's always their fault. And you can say, yes, these things happened and now I, now I have a drug problem or I have a drinking problem or now I'm fat. Or you can say, all these things happened to me and I've gone on to live this life, I've achieved this, I've done all this despite all the stuff that happened to me. Yeah. So it's about accepting what happened but then choosing you can do whatever you want with your life afterwards. You can be a victim or you can be a victor. It's a very cliche saying but it's so true and when people come and see me and I'm, you need to eat right, you need to train, you need to hey, try and be a little more happy, just very basic things. Some people, that maybe they're not ready or it's just too hard for them and like they'll blame me and say I'm not like you or this is too hard and they just they, they need someone to blame whether it's me or like I said I used to blame my past but it's, it's always understanding and accepting it's up to you. Yeah so what do you think our culture's relationship Dan is with death compared to um, to other cultures and how do you think that that really shapes our relationship with death and I think this is a really important question because ultimately, as we were saying before, I really think that all fears come back to a fear of death. That yeah. they're kind of all rooted in a fear of death. And it's because of that programming over hundreds of thousands of years that to break outside of our comfort zone back in the primitive times actually meant death. To be rejected from the tribe potentially yeah. meant death. That's not a reality anymore. Avoid death or getting hurt at any cost. Exactly. And that the brain actually isn't wired to make us happy. I love, Tony Robbins talks a lot about this in his work, that our, our brain isn't actually designed to make us happy. It's designed to keep us alive. So how have you seen how our culture's relationship with death? Because we have a total avoidance of pain, I think. There's so much comfortability in the way that we live our life as a society. Why is that different to say, you know, the third world or different cultures that actually do have, um, as a day-to-day -day reality, a lot more pain in their life That's, and discomfort? It's a very complicated answer because uh, I just got back from Phuket and they literally have nothing. You see them 
sitting there with a broken board game and it's just the four of them and they're having the time of their life but people here is four people sitting around with like a broken laptop and all they'll do is complain and I think like we talked about training the bicep it's the same thing as training the mind and what I do with people I get them to strengthen their mind my past was very very challenging involved a lot of death uh, friends overdosing friends just dying from motorbike accidents uh, my mother was an alcoholic she died in my early 20s that was one of the hardest days of my life but it gave me a very, and again, how do you teach that to someone? But it gave me a very different outlook on life. Mm. Hey, this is gonna end soon. This is gonna be you in this box one day. Mm. What do you wanna do with your life? Do you wanna be like your friends who jumped in front of a train? Do you wanna be like your, your mother who uh, drank herself to death in a, in a caravan park? Mm. Or do you wanna live your best life? Do you wanna be the strongest version of yourself? Do you wanna change? Do you wanna grow? you want an adventure and because I went through those challenges mm. it made me want to live a better life mm. and again it's very hard to teach that to people without them experiencing the things I have but if you don't look for challenges so someone in your life is going to die at some stage someone in your life is going to die at some stage and if you haven't taught yourself to be stronger mentally it's going to completely derail you when someone dies when something happens when someone gets terminally ill and I guarantee you it's going to happen in your life. And when I say that to people, they're like, oh, that, that's quite morbid. I'm like, no, that's, that's, the, re that's the reality. Yeah. And when you don't accept it, when you try and resist it, when you don't look for challenges, mm -hmm. if your hardest thing in, in life is getting up and going to work because you're a bit tired, and then, uh, I don't know, your partner passes away, your dad dies, and you get that phone call and you're not mentally strong, mm -hmm. it's going to derail you. So, yes, I like to keep people fit and healthy for life, but I also like to... And I don't like the term life coach, but I like to help strengthen people so they can live their best life. And I've had people uh, contact me, past clients, and their dads died, and then their dogs died a few months later, and they're like, man, if I'd never met you and learned the skills I learned from you, I would have hit the bottle, and I would have done all these things, and I would have rode myself off. Mm. But I meditated, I trained, I ate right, I journaled when it was really hard, and I was able to get through those challenges. Yeah. And I would have done the same thing if I hadn't learned all these things. And that's what I was doing when things would go wrong. I would drink, I would do drugs, I would do all these destructive things mm. that weren't helping me. They were just taking me out of the situation. Mm. But as you know with meditation, as you probably talked about in some of these videos, it's about being present. It's about going into the situation feeling and it, the feeling emotion. it and accepting what is mm. and then channeling that energy, whether I, I train or I uh, I uh, immerse myself into my work. I do something. Create. Crea I create mm. instead of uh, destroy things. Is what which is what I used to do. Mm. And do you think that they exist? Because um, you know, I'm, I really resonate with what what you just said because I believe that creativity and destruction actually exist um, on a spectrum. Yeah. You've got creativity over this side, but you've also got destruction yeah. on the other side of creativity. And if you're not consciously and actively creating something in your life then you're furthering the chances of going down the other side of that spectrum into destruction well i think that's the trap society gets us into they say find a job that pays well or mm -hmm. that has security but you're not happy and there's no outlet yeah that there's no outlet you're not happy in what you do that's why people live for the weekend that's why people 
regularly drink so much. And that's, I encourage my clients to do the same thing. Mm. Find out what you do mm. and go do it, even if it's part-time, even if you don't get paid for it. But that way you find an outlet, you find something creative and you find a purpose to this thing called life instead of just living life with your blinkers on and just going through the motions. It's, it's so awesome to me that you're using these terms, like you said, acceptance precedes death and you just use the word purpose, which is the chapter after, after death. And I really do believe that that's what comes when you willingly challenge yourself, like we're talking about, is you discover that sense of purpose. And I also kind of feel and believe that it's impossible to discover that sense of purpose unless you've been through that experience of, of challenge. Well, I lived in a very rough neighborhood and I actually started kickboxing to defend myself. Completely changed my life. Yeah, the trainers really. that I worked with. Mm. And uh, I looked back on the last couple of years when I was about 21. I'm like, someone brought this change to my life and I'm mm. forever grateful for, to them. This is the change I want to bring to people's lives. Yeah. And I think we all, like, deep down, like we have that feeling like, oh, I really like painting, or I'd, I'd love to be a mountain climber, or there are those weird people that are really into numbers and they mm. become accountants. But the thing is, when I uh, started kickboxing, when I started becoming a personal trainer, so many people said, it's dangerous, you're not going to get paid, what if this goes wrong, what about that? When all I was doing at the time was a mechanic and yeah. I wasn't even good at it. But now I've gone on to travel. I've helped hundreds of people around the world. Uh, I get to live wherever I want. I wake up. I don't jump out of bed in the morning. I'm like, yes, but I still love what I do every day. I mean, technically I'm on holiday and I'm sitting here with you because this is what I love doing. This is going to help someone down the line. Mm. This is what I love doing. Mm, totally. Um, yeah, I so hear that. And do you think the reason people are so quick to put those limitations in, in the way is actually comes back to their own It's because they've given up on their own dreams and their own goals. Because it's something they, so many people experience, right? Like when you're trying to do something great. Yeah. You would see it, I'm sure, with your clients that the pressures, the relationships around them are the key, one of the key factors that's actually holding them back. A lot of the time it's partners, they'll say, oh, don't get too attractive because you'll find someone else. Where that's just ridiculous if wow. you think about it in a rational mind. But, mm. but do you think it comes back to that fear of kind of that fear of death, which is actually the fear of change, the fear of rejection? Absolutely. I think maybe one time out of a hundred, it will be genuine concern if someone says it's dangerous or something like that. Mm. But the 99 other times out of 100, it's going to shine the spotlight on their own securities. They've given up on their own dreams. They've uh, made a mistake before and they think you're going to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said, Projection. You, yeah, you need to change the people you hang around. I only hang around with people who are successful, excited, passionate, love life, want to achieve things. Mm -hmm. And if people are, don't fit into those categories and I don't want to associate with them, Yep. Because that, that'll rub off on you. That, that saying the five people you hang around the most, you are the average of those five, and that is so true. Yeah, totally. It's definitely contagious because of our need for acceptance and belonging yeah. as human beings, right? Like, and I see it in my work really often is amazing people that are full of potential and talent actually compromise their own light and their own power just to be accepted by their peers. I used to do that at times too, as my physique got better, as my life got better. Um, my former best friend, this was very unfortunate, he taught me a lot about what I know about weightlifting and fitness and things like that. And as my career started getting better, 
as my physique started, as I started achieving more than he did, he kind of started to sabotage me, like talk me out of things and say I was doing the wrong thing. And mm. uh, long story short, I just had to let him go. And then one, and it was unfortunate, but once I did, my life kept getting better and better. And I look at him now and he's just still doing the same stuff. Yeah, right. Um, so letting go, that's, that's the next kind of concept within the chapter that I really wanted to dive into with you in this interview is this idea of letting go. And I'd love if you shared, if it's um, cool with you, some of the stuff you have had to let go of um, in order to become you know, the, the person that you are today who is incredibly inspiring. You do work, and I can vouch for this, 120% to reach all of the goals that you set for yourself. You are really mentally strong, and I know you have a lot of integrity in what you, you teach, but surely, you know, there are things that have happened that you've really had to let go of in order to become that person. Yeah, look, I'm not really proud of my past, and... It can sound glamorous depending whether you're an 18 year old guy or you're a 50 year old lady, people look at it different ways, but mm. there are periods in my life where I was a full time drug dealer, I'd be in a nightclub, I had all the pretty girls around me, I had all the drugs, I had all the money, I had everything I guess uh, you see in the movies and, and all the young guys look up to, that's kind of what I was doing in my teenage years and that was my identity. Mm. And then. I guess you call it an awakening or I became self-aware and I looked at myself and I'm like, yes, I'm cool, but like, what am I doing? I'm damaging other people's lives. I'm damaging my own life. Are these people really my friends? And as I, I stopped the drugs, I stopped the partying, I stopped being cool, my identity went. I had nothing. And uh, I also didn't have my license from breaking the law so many times. So as I became a personal trainer, as I got more into fitness, uh, as I started changing my life, I went from this cool guy who everyone wanted to be, who all the girls are with, who everyone would look at like, man, I'd love to be that guy. And then I was just some guy riding his bike to the gym to, to train mm. people. So, so the reality was so humbling. Yeah, it was a very humbling, unglamorous process. And, and not a lot of people want to go through that. But it's so important for people to hear, right? Because it's easy for people to look at you now and be like, yeah, I want that. Well, it's, it's the same thing now. Yeah, people see me as a successful trainer and I get to travel and I, uh, they look at the exterior and they don't see the hard work that I had to do. Like People look at me and they're like, how much can I pay you so I can have your physique? And I'm like, it doesn't matter how much you pay me, it, it's still going to take eight years. I mean, paying me will help you get there, but you still need to put in that consistent work. Yeah, totally. Um, Let's go back though, because you, you talk about this period in your life where you were living that dream yeah. that 18 year old boys have. And, and by the way, I think it's so great that you do talk about your message the way that you do, because there are, I feel there's such a need for young boys to have the ideas of masculinity challenge. And maybe we can speak about that a little bit later on in the interview, these kind of, especially in Australia, this, this culture of what it means to be masculine. And yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective and experience in that but were, were there pinnacle moments you, you use the word awakening were there pinnacle moments in your journey and your story that really um cultivated that or did you just wake up one day and you were like i can't do this anymore each day is a slow process of change and it's about making that uh consistent decision today i'm going to do the right thing today i'm going to work hard today i'm going to do this but yeah there's i can remember two or three 
uh, pinnacle moments in my life mm. where they were exact moments where I just said to myself, I don't want to live like this anymore. And can you, do you remember them or clearly you remember them? I'll share uh, two with you. Uh, I waxed through about two or three thousand dollars in one night. I was walking home. On, on drugs? Drugs, booze, everything. Yeah. I was walking home along the train tracks. Uh, from Melbourne City to Frankston, if you know that, it's quite a long walk. But I don't care, I'm out of my mind, just walking home. It's 3 a.m. and my phone rings and it's my sister. I'm like, hey, what do you want? She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm out. She's like, uh, mum just died. And I hadn't spoke to my mum in about four years. So here I am, broke, not enough money to get home, high, it's 3 a.m. I'm walking on train tracks and I just get this call. My mum's uh, drank herself to death uh, after having a 10 year drinking problem. And I just sat there. I, was at, I stopped at the next train station. I, think I, I hadn't cried for about 10 years. I cried for a few hours and I'm just like, man, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm. Wow. So, to be, how old are you when that happened? Uh, I think I was 20, 22. To be a 22-year-old, you know, swept up in, I guess, that the the um, idea of what glamour was, but having that be really superficial in that state where you're not even able to really process that information or emotion at all, you're then sitting on the side of the train track coming to terms with the fact that after not speaking to your mum for four years, you found out that she's passed away. Like, where do you even begin to... Um, and by the way, you inspire me so much, Dan. But for the sake of, of these guys and really going into that, because that is such a defining experience, where do you even start to, to walk that path of change? You know, you, you wake up the next day, what are, what are the thoughts that you had? What was the, the step one? Because it's, it's hard to believe that's where you were 10 years ago or eight years ago. It was a very challenging period for me, uh, but that was the catalyst. I was living in Melbourne at the time, obviously I spent the last few years of my life on the Gold Coast and in Phuket, but I was in Melbourne and before things got better, they got a lot worse and I started using, uh, I stopped using drugs like cocaine and ecstasy and things like that, which I was selling and I got, uh, I couldn't deal with the pain, I started using uh, heavy prescription drugs like Oxycontin, things every day, every single day. I had no job, didn't know what I was doing. Just to numb yourself out? Yeah, uh, I, I went to the funeral. Um, and the, that period of my life was a bit of a blur. There was about two, three months. And then uh, I won 700 bucks on a radio station competition. And I thought, this is, only, this is the closest thing you're going to get to a show. So I took that 700 bucks, I went up to the Gold Coast. Uh, I didn't have a license, but I drove trucks. I photoshopped a license, I drove trucks for a bit. Uh, I worked in factories, I did anything I could to save up enough money to start my personal training business. And the rest is kind of history. Wow, so after, I guess, hitting that rock bottom, because by the sounds of it, that phone call actually wasn't the rock bottom. That was still um, a way to go before you sort of had self-destructed enough to consider that winning I, $700 I think that, Yeah, I think that was rock bottom, but I think uh, 
Yeah, because no one had told me, and my dad had always kind of put a roof over my head when I needed it, but no one had told me how to grieve, no one had told me about goal setting, no one had told me about uh, how to be positive, no one had told me, told me any of these things. It's like I learned these things as I went, and that's why I teach these things to people, because if uh, a lot of my friends committed suicide, and I saw the destruction that did to families and friends after the fact. So I promised myself I would never do that because I didn't want to leave that effect on my friends and family. Was that something that went through your mind at the time? Absolutely, I would have done it in a second had I not promised myself I wasn't going to do that. Mm. But yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was pretty much done. I was ready to check out and that's why uh, I thought if I'm going to have a chance, uh, a new chance of life, I'm going to have to go, go somewhere else. That's when I moved up to the Gold Coast. Mm. And so you were 23? You had $700 and you could drive a truck and you decided at that point to become a personal trainer? Or had you already started, were you already personal training? Uh, I actually got my personal training qualifications when I was 21. Uh, it's when I was kickboxing at the time and I wanted to bring that change to people's lives, but... You were still falling back into those... This is why I work in uh, prisons at the moment trying to, I guess, rehabilitate or, or change young guys. But this is why I say it's not glamorous or it's not cool. Or I understand, like, we, we do drugs and we party and we things like that. But to get so deeply involved like I was, it, it's almost impossible to get out. So that's why uh, I try and help people not go down that lifestyle. And it took me two years of trying to get out, but I kept getting sucked back in. Or I was just spending so much time alone or uh, as I'm going to the gym on a Friday night I would run into my old friends and they would say hey let's come out let's go do something and I thought I need to make this as easy on myself as possible so uh, Gold Coast is known as the kickboxing capital of Australia so that's where I went. Also the partying capital what a, what a dichotomy. Yeah, well, to, to come here for that. That's and, the crazy thing. From... That's the crazy thing. I learned discipline and self-control here, yeah. even though all those other things are here. Yeah, which which is amazing, and I guess it's the uh, it speaks to the importance of um, having that time where you actually are not isolated because you're disconnected, but actually you're choosing to um, separate yourself from a crowd and really rediscover and recreate your identity identity is something i talk a lot about in this chapter yeah because it is the death of an identity if you want to transform you've got well, to let go of, of how you relate to the world really the entire way that you related to the world which was through this lens of an identity and it's just an avatar we create people look at my physique and they automatically uh, assume what i'm going to be like but if like if you take one thing away from this no matter what you want to do whether it's a goal or travel or pursue something, mm. you are going to spend some time alone. And you're not doing the wrong thing when you do that. You're not a loser. You're not doing the wrong thing. You haven't turned people away from you. Yes. You're just going to spend some time on your own. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's I encourage powerful, it. powerful, yeah. Exactly. Um, as part of that letting go process, too, you know, like you obviously went through an incredible amount of, of very significant grief. But for someone that maybe hasn't experienced um, a loss to that degree, I think even when, when you're shedding an identity, there actually is a grieving process that goes alongside that. I, you know, for me, I can sort of relate it to what I had to go through in letting go of my eating disorder because I spent five years from 12 until 17 
being really eating disordered and several of those years really anorexic, which is quite a physical identity. You know, it's, it's how people really see you when they first interact with you. And that's how I was known. That's how I related to the world. So in order to transcend that, I actually had to grieve the loss of that identity in order to separate myself from it. And well, like we talked about people. at the start, how people don't want to change. And a, a big part of it, even if it's not a super glamorous, exciting identity, maybe you're John Smith, the accountant, who totally. uh, goes to the pub on the weekend, that's his identity. And he, yeah. doesn't want to, he doesn't want to get rid of uh, his mates at the pub, or he doesn't want to... But even, even if you're not happy in your identity, because I know that many people aren't happy in their identity, it's not even a matter of letting go of the identity because there's a part of you that loves it. But I think it comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the interview, right? Like, that identity is familiar to you. And even if you're not totally enthralled by it and excited by that identity, you're still attached to it because it's what you're used to. Well, it's the way we're socially constructed as well. Like when you go to a party or when you socialise, what's the first thing people say? What hey, what's do? your name? What do you do? Mm. When it really should be, oh, what's your passion? What are you interested mm. in? What do you enjoy doing? Instead of what do you do, it's mm. like, oh, I'm this, I'm this. Like that's your identity. Yeah, I think that's an awesome thing for these guys to take away, maybe just becoming more mindful of, of just simply that from the beginning when you're connecting with someone instead of asking what they do or defining them by the things that they do, asking them different sorts Well, I'm of a little unorthodox. I don't really go out and socialise too much, but when I do, I like to have fun with it. And uh, people say, oh, what do you do? And I'm, I might just say, oh, I motivate people or I change people's lives. Mm. And that just, because I don't say I'm a trainer or I'm a mechanic or I'm something, they're just like, What's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with this guy? But there's nothing, you're just being you. Just, you're just saying what you do, not what you are, what you do. Mm. Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. The, the things that you really want to identify with rather than just. Or we feel ashamed. It's like, oh, hi, um, I'm Dan, I work at McDonald's. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, I drove trucks on a Photoshop license. That wasn't who I was. It's just what I was doing is a stepping stone to get to where I wanted to go. Mm, totally. Would have made for a cool story to tell people that at the time, but hey, like, yeah, what you do at the current point in time is not who you are. Hundred percent. And quite often on the the journey to greatness, there's going to be those detours that are actually, like you said, not glamorous and um, very. Success much. isn't glamorous. It's not at all. It's, it's and that's what we we don't understand this Instagram instant gratification world. No one, and that's why people hire me. No one wants to do the hard work. No one wants to push through the pain. Everyone wants to look like the after photo, but they don't want to do the work. And whether it's your physique, your job, uh, the business you've created, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes a lot of work and a lot of doubting yourself, a lot of time being alone. And it, it's not a glamorous process, but if you love it, and it's what you want to do, it's worth it. Totally. Um you know, I'm really like selfishly enjoying this process of interviewing people um, who I really love or really feel exemplify these concepts because ultimately, even though you know, I'm really blessed to be surrounded by people like you um, that are remarkable human beings, you're actually you're, you're an everyday human being as well and it's just like the other people that I've interviewed. You know, you've had, you, you weren't born um, any different or into a, you know, a set of circumstances that gave you opportunities that other people didn't have. And no, I think that I'm, that's I'm not really, gifted. 
that's, it's a really important thing for people to hear that you are capable of this just as much as Dan is, just as much as all of the other people that I've interviewed um, are of achieving your version of greatness, your version of what it means to love out loud and express yourself and, and actualize yourself. And, you know, I can relate to um, not really understanding that as a young person, feeling actually like polarized by the people I wanted to be like, my heroes, feeling like I can never be as great as them, never be as talented as them. Um, instead of being inspired by them. And what was that like for, for you when you started this journey, when you looked to your heroes? Don't believe that everyone is like they portray. Everyone's human at the end of the day, so don't compare yourself to other people. Yes, you might see some people's highlight reel, but they also had to go through the non-glamorous process, but they also might have problems that they probably don't put on Instagram. So. And a lot of the times you have to believe in someone else's belief in you before your own belief kicks in. And a lot of the so times people would say, man, you're good at what you do, or you're good at helping people, or you're good at speaking. And I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because I came from what I just told you about. You then, had your limitations. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was damn the mechanic. Mm. But I slowly changed over time. And another thing I find with society when you say, oh, I'm fat, everyone's like, yeah, you are a bit fat. But if you say, oh man, I'm gorgeous, or I'm really good looking, people are like, man, you're up yourself. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, not just with your looks, but there's nothing wrong with Only, believing, yeah, yeah, believing in your skills, thinking you look good. There's nothing wrong with that. But mm. because we're so twisted as a society, when you say it out loud, people will say you're arrogant or you're up yourself or whatever. Do you think that that's because people are threatened by their own greatness, so it's easier to shut down? Like people are actually threatened by their own power or owning what's great about them because then they actually need to be responsible for it. So we prefer to shut it down um, when someone else is really being themselves and being actualized and being confident in that. Well, what it does, it just subconsciously shines the light on, oh, maybe I could have done that, but I didn't try. Oh, maybe I could look good, but I don't want to work out. And that, that's yeah. simply all it is. And it's and then, confronting for people. Yeah, it's confronting. And instead of labeling, oh, I'm jealous, or that's anger, you just say, it's judgmental. And being judgmental or hateful is, is the sign of a weak person. I really feel that that's uh, an important point because especially you know when I started and I was working predominantly with teenagers, one thing I saw a lot would be I would walk into a classroom in, of um, nine-year-olds and ask, you know, what's something you love about yourself? And they would say, oh, I have the best hair, I have the coolest kicks, I'm an awesome singer. Yeah. Like they were so they're so forthcoming with what they actually know they're really good at. Society hasn't programmed them yet. Yeah, and then I would go into a, um, a classroom of 15-year-olds and say, what's something you love about yourself? They would all, immediate look, all immediately look down, hate me for even asking them that question. They felt embarrassed, they felt insecure. A lot of the time I would get a response like, I don't like anything about myself. And I would use myself as an, as an example and say, guys, if I was to say, I'm a really good public speaker, does that sound up myself? And they would say, well, no. And I'd say, you know, why? And they would say, because that's true and that's confidence. And then I would say, well, if you're really good at maths, how come you can't own that? Yeah. What is it that's stopping you? And it's that perception a lot of the time that we don't trust in ourselves enough to believe our own perception of, of what we're good at. And we fear that people aren't going to agree and we're going to experience that rejection again. Well, that's the unfortunate thing. Sometimes your dad might say, oh, that's dangerous, or your friends might laugh at you. But the reality is, 
Like, I've been to rock bottom, I've been to prison, I've been to some places you don't want to be. I'm actually working in prisons now, helping people. I do this one exercise with the guys, strengths and work-ons. And I put this on a piece of paper, and I'm like, let's write down what you're good at, let's write down what you need to work on. Out of 10 guys, not one of them could write down one strength, but they all had about 15 things that were wrong with them. And this is what will happen to you. If you can't believe in yourself, if you can't find things you're good at, and not find things you're good at, just believe you. Maybe you're a good speaker, maybe you're a good writer, we're all good at things, write down what you're good at. But if you just think negative and think about all the things you do wrong, you'll end up doing the things wrong. You'll be a negative person, you'll end up in prison. Uh, when I got kicked out of school, uh, the principal said to me, you're gonna end up dead or in prison, now get out of here. But who says that to a 15 year old kid? And unfortunately that's what happened to me, but Luckily, I was saved through fitness, through gyms, by being around positive people, by being around people that actually cared and believed in me until my own self-belief kicked in. And then I met even more awesome people like yourself. Mm. Yeah, totally. And that's, I think, awesome too, to know that when you actually stick on this path and you go through that process of letting go, of shedding your identity, of doing the hard work, the reward is not only the accomplishment, but actually you become a magnet for people that see your greatness as well. Yeah. Um, and that's when you really start to find your tribe. And you know, there's, a, there's another saying that I love, which is um, two inches from gold. And I feel like a lot of people get two inches from gold when it's so hard and it's just actually two inches before they're about to have that breakthrough. But because it's hard, that can sometimes be the reason that people quit before they've met that person, you know, the next day they may have met a person that really was the person they needed to I remember meet. times where I thought about giving up or calling it quits and I don't know if it's uh, the power of visualization or maybe it's just the power of all the consistent hard work that I did. But I remember like going to bed thinking, man, like I don't know how much longer I can do this, but you wake up and maybe you get a phone call or maybe you get an email saying a contract's gone through or something's just gone right and it's like a big sigh of relief and you're like, oh, I made it. But yeah, you just got to keep hanging in there. Dig that a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so easy to be like, man, this isn't working. I'm going back to being a mechanic. It, it, it is easy to do that in the short term, but then it's another 40 years of being miserable again. Yeah. Such a, it's so valuable. I hope you guys are, are taking in every word of this because I think this is such a, a core um, thing to understand and a core component of this journey to um, living your dreams and really being the fullest expression of who you are. The understanding that when your mind starts to say to you it's time to give up now that actually there's always that little bit deeper that you can dig that's what i say to my clients i say there's always five more reps and if you believe that at say you're doing a workout you're doing some squats you're going your legs can't work anymore you want to give up you want to put the bar back in i stop take a breath do another five now i can't i'm i say fucking do it <laughs> and they do another five and, they put, and I go, you lied to me. Yeah, it's really important for people to hear this because I know for me, every teacher that I've looked up to, they say the same thing in, in a different way, which is you've always got that reserve. You've always got that part of your um, will, that human spirit, that when your brain has hit that wall, there's actually somewhere deeper that you can access. You can raise your upper limit to go that extra mile um, but so many people at the first sign of that, that's when they want to quit. And that's when they're actually like, I can't do this anymore. And they, they lose the goal. I say this from experience because 
I myself was lazy, I myself didn't work hard. Yes, I had this glamorous lifestyle like I told you about with the nightclubs and things, but I didn't know how to work hard. And then once I started training, once I started getting into personal development, that's why it's great to have mentors, even very loving mentors, because they show you how hard you need to work. That's why I myself have used trainers. I still use trainers. I still use coaches because even when you think you're working hard, you can always do more. Just like you can strengthen your mind, just like you can strengthen your body, you can also strengthen your endurance, your work output. It's not something you can start off by doing. It's like you can't run a marathon straight away. The ability you need to work to get to where you want to go, you got to slowly build up to it. Yeah. Um you know, we were saying before about meeting your, um, finally getting to that point where you can meet your tribe and the harder that you work, the more you naturally will be surrounded by people that really mirror that greatness in you and that same drive and determination. And then the five people that you're surrounding yourself with, that becomes the behaviour that you're starting to, you know, just naturally do. It becomes an organic way that you live your life. Well, if you look at your friends now, they might be great people, but one might be an alcoholic, one might be that, that mate that always goes and gambles every weekend. Take a look at your closest mates, and if you don't like them or you don't like what they're doing, chances are you probably don't like yourself. Chances are that's what you're doing. And that's what I didn't realize. I was hanging around drug addicts, I was hanging around losers, I was hanging around criminals. And I thought, I don't like what these people are doing, but I was doing the same thing. Now I hang around people who have businesses, uh, are mentors, are coaches, are doing great things, are traveling, are having adventures, that have the biggest hearts uh, of people I've ever met. Because I chose to hang around people like that, but not only that, that must show me a reflection of what I've become now. Mm, yeah, and that ultimately that liberation can only be found through discipline. I think that that's such an important thing for people to, to hear is that it, it does take hard work. To, it's going to sound, climb. yeah, it's going to sound cliche coming from me, but I think we're soft. I think we're soft as a society, but you can strengthen yourself. The same way I was lazy and weak and the world took advantage of me, I strengthened my mind, I strengthened my body, and I opened my heart and my mind, and my whole life changed. But it took work. And I know when you hear a PT or a fitness guy say that, you're like, oh, it's easy for you. It's for a reason. It's though. not just about protein shakes and bicep curls. There's so much more to it. Mm, totally. Fitzy, we've covered a lot of topics today from, yeah. uh, from your views around identity and um, what it really takes to transform your identity, the letting go process, feeling your feelings and actually going through um, that process of grief and how important that is, choice, all of these things we, we've covered and um, there are a couple of last things that I really wanted to ask you before I was going to invite you to share anything that we haven't covered um, with these guys as a, as a final sign off. The first is um, there could be say an 18 or 19 year old guy that's watching this who's in the same situation you were living in Frankston and he has these ideas. Um, around what masculinity is and what it means to be masculine. What would you say to men? Because I've specifically chosen you because I really feel like um, boys in our society don't have great masculine role models. And from the outside, you, looked like, you, you look like someone that a young guy would aspire to be like, but the values that you hold are actually really unique. Yeah. You know? So what, what, do you, what do you sort of say to 
to a guy that might be watching that's in that situation who maybe wants to look like you but thinks that the way he's going to get there is through violence and rock and roll and drugs or whatever and not actually the hard work and the discipline that you've applied to in your own journey? Well, it's funny, like, my physical avatar, the way I look, it has a lot to do with my environment. I created uh, this physique because it helped me survive in my environment. But now I just like tattoos. Now I just like working out. It has nothing really to do with violence anymore. To be, uh, to me, being masculine, being respectful, being uh, an alpha, it's being respectful to others. It's reading books. It's meditating. It's looking after your body. It's having enough uh, money to, to pay the bills, to look after your family. It's being courteous. It's not about being staunch. It's not about getting tattoos. It's not about... Uh, fucking the police and riding motorcycles and being rude to people. That's not staunch, that's not alpha, that's insecurity. If you want to be tough, if you want to be gangster, get a fucking library card. Work on your mind and work on your body. But And your heart. Yeah, look, look after people, be respectful, be caring. Like, I love animals, like I love my friends. Uh, I know on, on the exterior I, I appear like most young guys want to look, but it's got nothing to do with who I am. Choose who you want to be. It doesn't have to be anything with weightlifting. It doesn't have to be anything with being cool. Just be whoever you want to be. Work hard at it. And like I said, to get to where I am now, it was not a glamorous process, but it was worth every bit of it. Mm. I also want to say how much um, I'm grateful for you in my life and how much I love you and how much I think. What you have to offer the world is so important. Likewise. And um, the last question that I've asked all the people that I've interviewed is um, when you hear the term love out loud, what, what does that mean to you, to love out loud? When I hear people talk about me, they say I'm unorthodox, I'm eccentric, I'm crazy. But I don't go out of my way to, to be crazy or to be outrageous. I just be myself. And through all my hardships, through all my embarrassments, through losing everything, I realize there is nothing really to lose. So you might as well be yourself. You might as well have fun. You might as well love with everything you got because, like I said, I've already lost uh, some of the people closest to me already. So I'm not afraid to express how much I, I love my friends now. Like I might randomly message someone saying I love you in the middle of the night or I'll write a long message to someone saying how much I love them or I talk about how much I love my work there's nothing wrong with being who you want to be people are going to call you weird people are going to call you different there's nothing wrong with being that so work out who, who you want to be work out who's close to you look after them and it's as simple as that we're only doing this thing called life once the topic was death death's coming for us all so Take advantage of this one shot you got at life and, and just be whoever you want to be. Don't take things too seriously. Mm. And on that note, I just want to say thank you for getting these glasses for us in um, Thailand. So you shouldn't conform, but when you find you know, other gangsters to align yourself with that are all about loving out loud. It's hard not to want to wear these. It's and true. If wearing yellow glasses makes you feel better, then go do that, man. It's simple as that. Do what makes you feel good, as long as you're not hurting okay. anyone. Exactly. Um, Dan, thank you. Um, thanks for watching, guys. If you want to know about any of Dan's services, I just want to do a bit of promotion for you because I think you're awesome. Um, 
This is Dan the Man, Dan Fitz. You can find me anywhere on social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Dan Fitz, F-I-T-T-S. I help people become the strongest version of themselves. You don't have to uh, invest a dollar with me. I just want to help you be you. You might not like me at all. You might resonate with me with completely. I got videos, recipes, workout advice. It's all on Dan Fitz. So yeah. And that name is actually that wasn't um, something that you chose. That's actually your last name. Well, Dan Fitz, the drug dealer, didn't really click as well. So yeah, yeah I guess it worked out well for me. That's <laughs> destiny. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to see you next week. Take it easy. Peace out. Much love. Much love.